Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Wednesday, August 17th. A blessing on you, Simon Barjona. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20 from the Message Translation, which reads, When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, What are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, Some think he's John the Baptizer, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He pressed them, How about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. He swore the disciples to secrecy. He made them promise they would tell no one that he was the Messiah. This is God's word. Back to the school of personhood. When this text came to mind while composing yesterday's reflections, it hit me for the first time that Jesus' own personhood was made subject to the same process as the rest of his students slash followers slash disciples, which sounds totally heretical, like a really bad episode of The Chosen. I mean, Jesus is God, right? So what need could he possibly have for human validation of his personhood? He wouldn't have need for that validation any more than he'd have for practicing the Sermon on the Mount or asking Matthew for suggestions as to his introduction. Because God has it down, always, of course, duh. But the fact is, if we take Hebrews as our cue, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way, even in a school of personhood. In fact, note carefully three Old Testament references applied by the author of Hebrews to Jesus during his earthly life. I'll tell my good friends, my brothers and sisters, all I know about you. I'll join them in worship and praise you. Again, he puts himself in the same family circle when he says, even I live by placing my trust in God. And yet again, I'm here with the children God gave me. Jesus may have had his identity pronounced from on high after he was baptized in the Jordan River, but that identity was solidified in the context of his own family circle, a.k.a. the school of personhood. And within that same circle, he was positioned to do the same for each of them, calling them out by name and pronouncing blessing upon them. That's one of the key functions of any school of personhood, shaping identity through imparted blessing, like 
Isaac over Jacob and Esau, or Jacob over each of his 12 sons, or Moses over the entire people of Israel in a song of blessing that he literally sang over them. And perhaps this is a good juncture which to point out the significance of the word school in this school of personhood. School is from the Greek word skole, pronounced skole, which in the New Testament only occurs in Acts 19.9, where it's translated lecture hall, namely the lecture hall of Tyrannus. School equals lecture hall. Well, that isn't too much of a leap for us, but the actual meaning of the word skole is because skole means leisure. Yeah, that seems just a wee bit of a leap. School equals leisure? How about deadlines and homework and tests and finals and peer pressure and stress? But leisure? Seriously? Here's the dynamic of skole. Relax. Listen. Watch. Observe. Absorb. And Jesus took his skole on the road, walking the same wide circle connecting three Galilean villages, Capernaum, Chorazin, and Bethsaida. Each day, the students slash followers slash disciples ended up covered in the dust of their rabbi as they took his yoke upon them and learned of him, or as Peterson translates it in the superb rendering of his message translation, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's Skole. Walking with him along this road or that path, watching him heal that leper or respond to that Pharisee, stopping and sitting in a circle at his feet or joining him around a table for supper or sleeping in a circle around the flickering embers of a fire at night or climbing up the side of that hill, which sounds an awful lot like what we would call a retreat. He just did it with them for more than a weekend. It was a way of life. Jenny Allen, in her book Find Your People, reports on the study from Psychology Today that observed that it takes about 50 hours of interaction to move from acquaintance to casual friend, about 90 hours to move from casual friend to friend, and more than 200 hours to qualify as a best friend which means that Jesus reached the time investment level of best friends with the 12 within the first two weeks he had them all together. Which is where the challenge for us becomes evident. If we spend two hours a week, every week together as a group, we will reach the best friend level of relational saturation after two years. All we have to do is stick together for that long. It is in the context of such a long stretch of leisure in which the meaningful, life-changing, and identity-shaping moments of blessing can be spoken and experienced, calling forth the best of us and the calling out of the worst, too. But that's tomorrow's reflection. How about we read that passage from Hebrews a second time? 
Since the one who saves and those who are saved have a common origin, Jesus doesn't hesitate to treat them as family, saying, I'll tell my good friends, my brothers and sisters, all I know about you. I'll join them in worship and praise to you. Again, he puts himself in the same family circle when he says, even I live by placing my trust in God. And yet again, I'm here with the children God gave me. See what you see and hear in this text. Then pause for a moment of personal reflection in prayer. How is Jesus challenging you to put yourself into a family circle, even as he put himself there with the twelve that he called out to be with him? Who is your family circle? What are you learning and seeing about God, about life, about yourself in this circle? How close are you to reaching that 200 hours spent together threshold of best friends? Or are you still just acquaintances kept more or less at arm's length? How do we break through the barrier? Lord, do more than place me in a group. I need more than a group. Family, friends, best friends even, who know how to laugh and fight and weep and play and pray and worship and work as we behold your wonders together in the wide world. Yeah, I want to go to there, except for all those times when I don't. Still, take me there and let me stay there long enough to know what it really is to be friends. Through your multiplied and persevering kindnesses. Amen.